Hey everyone, thank you for checking out our podcast here at Victory Hill Church. Over the next few moments, our lead pastor, Aaron Begley, is going to share an impactful message with you from the Bible. We hope that it will encourage you to connect with God and connect with others. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I am the one that was desperately looking for community. I am the one that struggled with drug addiction. I am the one who didn't believe in myself. I am the one who suffered from depression. I am the one that didn't have any self-confidence. I am the one who was struggling with my parents' divorce. Identity, anxiety, unbelief, emotional abuse, an ugly past. Addiction, self-worth, hopelessness. He is the one that calmed my storm and brought me back into his good graces. He is the one that gave me purpose. He is the one that told me I was precious to him. He is the one who brought me out of that darkness. He is the one who believed in me. He is the one who saved me from hopelessness. He is the one that gave me confidence. He is the one who gave me peace. He is the one that taught me how to believe without doubt. He is the one that brought me comfort. He is the one that told me who I am. He is the one who set me free. He is the one that filled every part of me and surrounded me with a family much bigger than I could have ever imagined. Come on, can you give God praise for those testimonies of the resurrection life that people have experienced? I want to wish everyone a happy Easter. My name is Aaron. I'm the lead pastor here. And I'm so thrilled and honored that you are in church with us today in person. And even for all of those who are gathering online and down at Connection West, we just want to thank you for being here today to look at the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, many of you came through the doors today and you were ready to celebrate. Like you have experienced what resurrection life is all about. Like you have seen Jesus, not with your eyes, but you've seen him with your heart and you know what it is to be brought back to life. I mean, this is our day. This is the Super Bowl for the church. I mean, there is no greater day because there is no greater story than Easter. It changed everything for everyone and it's a day to celebrate resurrection life. And if you know that life, would you give Jesus Christ an ovation of praise? Amen. But I also recognize that there are people in this gathering today in person and online that are on every spectrum of faith. There's those of you who have walked into this building today and maybe someone invited you and you said, hey, I'll go with you. But you have a lot of questions about this resurrection story. You have a lot of questions about this man called Jesus and did he really die on a cross and was he really risen from the grave? There are some of you that maybe are here today and and you used to go to church or you grew up in church or your parents brought you to church or your grandparents and, and you had a faith, a trust, a confidence in Jesus and then something went wrong 
wrong. Maybe there was some spiritual abuse that happened in the church or, or maybe something happened that kind of shattered your faith and you walked away, but you're here today and I'm so glad that you are a part of that. Maybe some of you are at a place where the honest truth is, is you made poor choices in life. You made some decisions that kind of brought a separation between you and God, and you've thought in your heart and in your mind, is there any way that this God could really love me again after what I have done? I understand that there's people in this room today that maybe you're struggling with faith. Like you feel like you're just barely holding on and it's just on by a thread. And I want you to know that the resurrection story is for every single one of us. And as we've gathered today and we've sung songs about our Lord and Savior and that he is alive and as we remembered his goodness and his mercy and his grace and what he has done for us, I pray and hope that you have felt and experienced his presence because God is meant to be experienced and felt. He is a God that is close to us. He is a God that's close in our hearts and he wants us to be in a personal relationship with him. But God also wants you to know something today. He doesn't just want you to experience and feel, he wants you to know something in your heart and in your mind. And what he wants you to know is this, is that you and I can be confident and assured of the events of the resurrection. And the reason we can be confident of this story that we're going to look at today is because we have eyewitness accounts of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In the Bible, the Apostle Paul, an individual who was really responsible for the spread of the gospel and, and the expansion of the church after the resurrection, is preaching to a new group of believers in a city called Corinth. And here's what he said to these believers in Corinth. He said this in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 4. He says, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. That he's about ready to tell us something that is real, that is actual, it's a historical event. And maybe some of you have come into this place today and you've questioned this resurrection story. You're kind of like, what's all the hype about? Like, it's a good story and it makes for a good plot, but I don't actually believe that it was a real historical event. Paul's telling this group in Corinth, he's like, I want you to know that what I'm about ready to tell you, it is historical, it is real. If you can believe that George Washington ever lived, if you can believe other events in history, then you have to come to the conclusion that what happened some 2,000 years ago is not just some story, but it is real and it happened. It's factual events. And so Paul says this, he says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. What you have read is true, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. He goes on and says this, and that he appeared to uh, Cephas and then the 12. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living. They're alive at this time that he's saying this, though some have fallen asleep. What does this mean for us? You see that what Paul's telling us and what he's assuring us of is this, is the gospel was spreading. The story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ was going out from Jerusalem and it was spreading on the shoulders and on the word of hundreds of people who saw Jesus alive. And the message of the gospel, the good news, the, what we celebrate today was spreading all throughout the region. And instead of hundreds of people, these individuals were still alive when Paul's sharing this gospel. And instead of hundreds of people stepping forward to refute the gospel, to say, 
say, no, that is not true. That's not what actually happened. Hundreds of people, he says there was hundreds of them, stepped forward to validate the message. And they did so in the face of intense persecution. They did so when a government was trying to squash all of these things. And they stepped forward and said, nah, I saw him alive. I saw that he was crucified. And then I saw him walk this earth and I talked to him. And they gave a true account, an eyewitness account, and said, you can be sure of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. One of those eyewitnesses was an individual by the name of Matthew who was a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And Matthew writes his gospel and he shares with us the events that took place on that first resurrection Sunday. And so I want to look at his gospel for a few moments this morning and look at some truths that we need to understand throughout this story. It's found in Matthew 27, verses 50 through 57. Here's Matthew's eyewitness accounts. He says, when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. He gave up his spirit. And I want to pause right there because I want you to understand something today. You are not just flesh and blood. We have physical bodies, but we also have a spiritual part to our lives. And we have the bodies that were given to us at birth. That is the flesh and blood. That is the skin that we have on us. But we also have a spirit and the spirit that God has placed inside of us was made to communicate with him. And maybe for some of you today, you feel a void in your life. You feel like something is missing. And the very thing that could be missing is that you have not allowed your spirit to come alive. That Resurrection Sunday was about the spirit of God coming alive inside of each and every one of us because it became available to all people. And that he came so that our spirits could communicate with our heavenly father. You are not just skin and bones. You are spirit and flesh. And so he gave up his spirit, but he says that when he did so, he cried out in a loud voice. In John's gospel, we see the exact words that he cried out. He cried out a Greek phrase that would have said this. It would have said, it was te, te telestai, te telestai. And the Greek word te telestai is translated in the Bible as it is finished. And in that moment that he gave up his spirit, the moment he took his last breath, he said, te telestai, it is finished. There's actually another definition for this word. And it can also be translated as to paid in full. That this word te telestai was a word that you would have saw on a bill of receipt, that when someone would have had a debt to pay, and when that debt was actually paid, they would have taken a stamp or they would have taken a pencil and they would have wrote on this thing and they would have said, paid in full. And this is the story of Easter, that you and I had gone astray, that there had to be a debt that was going to be paid, that you and I had committed sins, that we had gone against God's command, and that we weren't able to stand in front of a holy God. And so there's somebody had to pay the receipt for your life, that you and I have these receipts that are large and overwhelming and bigger than we could take care of on our own. And so Jesus said, I went to Calvary and I telestate it. I paid your debt in full. Are you grateful that he paid your debt, that he forgave you of your sins? See, on the bill of your life, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, there's been a stamp that's been placed on it that said paid in full. It's paid in full. 
That's what we celebrate on Resurrection Sunday, that I could not pay this debt on my own. When, I had, when we had our first child and we were in the hospital, I realized that there was going to be a hospital bill. Has anybody ever seen some of those hospital bills, how big they are? You're like, oh, my word. After we had our first son and I realized they charged me for everything in that, that room, the next child I had, man, I was packing those bags. I mean, I was stuffing diapers in there and a formula. And I was like, if I'm going to pay for this, I'm going to get something for it. And I got a bill and it had a list of everything that I was supposed to pay for. And you know what? Eventually on that bill, there was a stamp that was placed on it that said it was paid in full. And this is the message of Easter. This is the gospel. You and I did not pay that debt. Jesus did it on the cross when he gave up his spirit and said, it is finished. Te tell stay. Your receipt was canceled. And then the Bible says in that instant, Jesus died. He gave up the spirit. And some phenomenal events took place the moment that Jesus died. We pick it up in Matthew. Here's what he says. He says, at that moment that he gave up his spirit, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. This is a big deal. I mean, because this curtain in the temple was the barrier between man and God, that only the high priest was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies. But the moment that Jesus died, the moment he said, te teleste, it is paid in full. We now could have relationship with the heavenly father because our sin our life, our debt was canceled and now we could be in relationship with them. So the curtain is torn in two, the earth shook, the rocks split and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died, look at this, were raised to life. It goes on, it says this, as they came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. That this power, the power of God that we saw at work on the cross it brought dead things back to life. I mean, there is like a zombie apocalypse that happened, okay? So all of you that would believe in those things, you know, this happened. The bodies came back to life because that is the power of resurrection life. That is the power that's flowing through your vein and my veins because of what Christ did on the cross. Give Jesus Christ an ovation of praise. Come on. There's some other events that happen that are extremely powerful the moment that Jesus gave up his spirit. It says when the centurion, the centurion is the Roman guard who would have been over a hundred soldiers charged with overseeing the crucifixion of Jesus. These individuals would have performed many crucifixions. And it says when the centurion and those with him were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. They had seen many crucifixions, but on that day, the events that took place convinced them beyond a shadow of a doubt. This wasn't just another man that was being crucified. This was the son of God. They declared this about Jesus. They didn't wait for an invitation in a service. They just gave their hearts to the Lord. They said, hey God, we believe in you. We believe in what you did on that cross. And God, we are coming into a right relationship with you. And I think this is so important that we see the different characters that are at the cross and a part of this story, because what we see are individuals at the cross coming to know God, experiencing him and having resurrection life. There's another individual and it's an individual by the name of Mary Magdalene. And look at it in verse 55, many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs among them were Mary Magdalene 
And this is an important individual. This was an individual that the Bible tells us that was possessed with seven demons, seven spirits. And Jesus had an encounter with her. I believe it was in Luke chapter 8. And he cast out these demons. And Mary Magdalene was following Jesus. She was a believer. She understood the power of the cross and the resurrection life that Jesus came to give. There's some other individuals in the story. In verse 57, we see an individual by the name of Joseph of Arimathea. And he went to those in authority and said, hey, we can't leave his body on the cross. We need, to, we need to give him a proper burial. And he asked for the body of Jesus. And here's what it says about him. Is he was a rich man named Joseph who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. This was a big deal. He was a part of the Sanhedrin. He was actually a part of the group that had Jesus crucified, though he did not step into that, though he did not agree with it. And when Jesus dies on that cross, he says, hey, I need his body because this guy has changed my life. My life has experienced resurrection power because Jesus came for me. In John, we find that there's another individual with Joseph. He's an individual by the name of Nicodemus, and he is a Pharisee. He's a religious leader. The ones that wanted Jesus killed, the ones that did not believe he was the son of God. But Nicodemus came to Jesus in the middle of the night one time and said, what is it that I must do to be saved? And he was told, you must be born again. You must put your hope and your trust in me. And at the cross, we see Nicodemus has made that decision to follow after Jesus. You see, I think these individuals in the story are extremely important because what we begin to see is that Jesus gave his life for individuals. And even though we gather in this place as a crowd and as a group to celebrate resurrection, Jesus sees you as an individual. Jesus sees what's going on in your heart, in your life. Jesus came for you. And what we learn at the cross is this is you can't count anyone out. You can't count anyone out because at the cross, we see men and women, we see rich and poor, we see high class and no class. We see the religious and the irreligious. We see the guilty and the innocent. We see the deeply moved and the indifferent. You see, when it comes to Jesus and this resurrection life that he came to give, don't count anyone out. Don't count your kids out that are far from God. Don't count your aunts or your uncles, your mother or your father, your co-workers or your neighbors, that Jesus came to bring life back to each and every one of us. These are the ones that Jesus came for. The resurrection story continues. And he says this, the, the Bible says that they put him in the tomb, a stone is rolled in front of it. Guards are placed there to protect it so that no one would steal the body of Jesus. And then when all was thought to be lost, Matthew tells us that three days later, an angel appears and declares to everyone that's around, to the women that were there that day, he is not here, he is risen. He got out of the grave that day. And can I tell you something? He has been bringing people back to life ever since. He's been bringing people back into a relationship with him to, for the forgiveness of our sins. And because of that, we experience resurrection life. When he got up out of the grave, we got up out of the grave. When he came back to life, you and I have the ability to come back to life. And if you know that life, give Jesus Christ an ovation of praise. So why did he do all this? Why did he, why was he born as a child in a manger to become a man that would die a horrific death on the cross? 
The Bible makes it very plain and clear in one passage of scripture in Hebrews 12, verse two. He says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Like the cross wasn't something he wanted to do. We see in the garden, he says, God, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. I don't want to do this. This is going to be painful. This is not going to be a good day. Sometimes Landon, my son, will come to me and say, Dad, it's not been a good day. Or he'll come home and say, Dad, I only had a little bit of fun at school. And a little bit of fun meant that he didn't get enough recess. Things didn't go the way he had planned. You see, Jesus didn't want to have to go to the cross. But why did he do it? He says in his word, for the joy set before him. That he peered down into humanity. And even though he was going to have to endure a horrific death, he began to see the faces of individuals. He began to see the faces of people. He peered into humanity and he saw a John and a Chris and an Amy. He saw a Holly and an Errol and an Alexia and a Jane. He began to peer down into humanity and saw a Mike and a Kathy. And, and he said, you know what? This is the joy. You are the joy that was set before him. He looked into this world and he saw us as individuals and said, I will give my life. I will endure the, the pain of the cross because there is a joy that is set before me. He came into this world for you and for me. This was his goal. This was his mission. You are his joy. I am his joy. You see, God sent his son to go after the one, the one. He sent his son to, for you and for me. See, if this wasn't clear enough, Jesus would tell a parable while he was still living in the gospel of Matthew, in Matthew 18. And a parable is simply a story that Jesus would tell that had a point. I mean, there was a reason he would tell the story. And so he tells this parable, and here's how the parable goes. It starts in verse 11, and he would say, The Son of Man came to save what is lost. And right at the beginning of the parable, he goes, Let me tell you the whole purpose of my life. Let me tell you why I died on a cross, why I came into this world. I came to save what was lost. And then he's going to tell us what was lost. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go look for, can you say this with me? Say the one that wandered off. He would go on. And he would say this, and if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your father in heaven is not willing. This is his, his goal. He's not willing that any of these little ones should perish. That God wants every single person under the sound of my voice today to experience resurrection life because you are the joy that is set before him. And he says, so let me tell you, your father in heaven is looking around for the one lost sheep. He says, I will leave the 99 to go after the one. And the point of this whole story is for the individuals that were listening to understand that God was the shepherd and we are the sheep, that we are the one. Would you say, I am the one? Say it again, say, I am the one. Look at your neighbor and say, you are the one. You see, we are the one. This is the point of the story that Jesus would leave the 99 to go after the one. And so I've got a guest that's gonna come help me drive this point home, if he's willing to come out today. 
He's being stubborn today. You know what he's doing? He's a lot like a lot of you, a little stubborn, isn't he? There we go. He can stay there. Whoa, whoa, easy now. See, Jesus tells the story. You didn't know you were coming to Easter to see a sheep, did you? Never know what you're going to find in church. Don't miss a Sunday. You miss things like this, okay? He's kind of noisy like a lot of you sometimes, okay? A little ornery maybe. Honestly, can I tell you something? I kind of debated whether to even bring him out for Easter about a week ago. And I was reminded, yeah, you. But you know what? It was a little bit of work to get him here today. (laughs) But I was reminded that it was a little bit of work for Christ to go pay the price for us on Calvary. And that there was a sacrifice that had to be made. But Jesus gives us the story and he says, you are this one. And when you think about this story at the very beginning of it, can I be honest with you? When you think about this story, it's a little offensive. Because when God compares us to a sheep, you need to understand some things about sheep. He says, you are this. This is who you are. And when we think about sheep, you got to understand some things about sheep. The first is this. Sheep are directionless. Like they don't even know where to go to pasture. They don't know where to find water. There has to be a shepherd that, that takes them to the destinations that they need to go to. Because sheep are not the smartest animals on the planet. And Jesus says, this is you. Yeah, I'm talking about you. But they're directionless. There's actually a true story. Back in 2004, there was a shepherd in Turkey who had 1,500 sheep. And he left the sheep alone for a few moments. And what he came to discover is that one of the sheep decided to go off of a cliff. And what happened after that is 1,500 sheep followed after that one sheep and they all died. Why? Because sheep need direction. Not only are sheep directionless, the truth is, is sheep are defenseless to some extent. Like so many animals have like defense mechanisms, but this one just doesn't have a lot in his arsenal. I mean, if I put my finger in his mouth, maybe he bites my finger. If I were to stand behind him, maybe he could kick me a little bit. This one has some horns on it, so I was a little scared of him. But there's not a lot to help to, to, for him to, be, to fight off the enemy that comes his way. And the truth is, is that's a lot about our life. We're defenseless. We, we don't have anything that we can kind of overcome the attacks of the enemy. Sheep are helpless. Helpless. If you didn't know this, if I were to turn this sheep over and I were to put him on his back and his feet were in, his air, in the air, it's called, it's called a sheep being called cast down. And if he's cast down, he cannot get back up under his own strength. Someone has to come and actually pick him back up. And it looks a lot like our life. We're helpless without God. But not only are they helpless, they're weak. So many animals, I mean, there's strength that is associated with them. I mean, a, a horse can pull more than its weight. I mean, other animals can, are used to, for strong things, but this sheep cannot carry any load on its back. You never see sheep carrying anything on their back. Why? Because they're weak. They're not meant to carry heavy burdens. And at first glance, when Jesus tells the story, he says, you are the one, you are this one. I get a little offended at first, but then I think about my life. And I think about the fact 
that, you know what? I'm directionless, that I need someone to give me direction and purpose for my life. I'm defenseless. I don't have anything to overcome the attacks and the, that the enemy brings our way or the things this world throws my way. I'm helpless. Like I need someone to, to give me the direction, to show me where to go and to bring purpose back into my life. I'm weak. I'm not meant to carry burdens. You're not meant to carry some of the burdens that this world throws on your shoulder. And, and some of you today, that's where you've come in. You're just weighed down with these burdens. But even though I'm a little offended by the analogy of being a sheep, because this thing isn't the brightest thing in the shed. And he's dirty and nasty. I'm talking about you. You also need to understand that when he tells the story, he wants every one of us to know that we are valuable. Because this was a sign, a signal of value. For those who owned sheep during Jesus' day were considered wealthy. Because out of this, there could be meat produced. Out of this, there's milk. Out of this, there's offspring. Out of this, there's warmth through the wool. And so many great things can be accomplished and they were valuable. And so he says, you know what? If there's a hundred of them, even if just one of them is gone, they are so valuable to me that I will leave the 99 to go after the one. But what we need to be reminded about on Easter is guess what? We are this one. Don't be so self-righteous to think that we are all okay. We need the power of the cross. We need his redemption. We needed te telestai for our debts to be paid in full. And Jesus said, that is the reason I came. I have come for the one. I have left the 99 to go after the one. Aren't you grateful for that this morning? If you are, give Jesus an ovation of praise. Say, see you later if he'll go off the stage. Now he might want some stage time. See, now he doesn't want to go. He's, he started loving you guys too much. See, they're hard-headed and stubborn. That's you right there. But they're valuable. And you know what we learn? I hope we still have a sheep. <laughs> God sent his son to go after this one. And what the, because these things are valuable, we learn this extreme truth that when we lose something of great value, we go to great lengths to find it. Isn't this the story of Easter? That Jesus says, you are that one. You are the one that is valuable. And he says, I'm going to go to great lengths to find it. Shortly after I got married, I've been married 11 years. Shortly after I got married, um, I lost my wedding ring. Has this happened to anybody else? Yeah, I didn't know if I was going to be married any longer. It was like in the first year. And I was out here at the church and I was uh, outside playing football with some of our students. And uh, my ring fell off. And I walked back into the building and realized it was missing. This is valuable. Like I can't get this ring back. I could replace it with another ring, but I couldn't get this ring back. So I grabbed some students, I grabbed some people that were around and I said, hey, we gotta go and we gotta go find this ring. And it had gotten dark and we're out in our, football, our, our baseball diamond out here and we're going through the grass and we have flashlights going and we looked and we searched and we searched until eventually we were like, okay, I don't know if we're gonna find it tonight. I'll come back out tomorrow and I'll begin to look again. And right before we walked in, we found this ring, but I was willing to do whatever I had to do in order to find this because there was only one of these. And can I tell you something? God looks at your life and he says, there's only one of you and every single one of you is valuable and I will do whatever I have to to come and be in relationship with you.
And so with great lengths, he goes after us. And that's why he went to that cross. That's why there had to be a resurrection so that you and I could experience life. You see, Easter was the great rescue. You see, Easter is a reminder to us that I am the one. I am that individual. I am the one that was lost and broken. I am the one that is suffering. I am the one that is hurting and overwhelmed. I am the one that was dead in my sin, full of guilt and shame. I am the one that has been depressed and overwhelmed with life. I am the one. That is what Easter reminds me of, is that I had to have a savior and that he had to pay a price, but that he got up out of the grave for me. It wasn't just for the people sitting next to me. He did this for me because I was the joy that was set before him. You see, not only is Easter a reminder that I am the one, Easter is an opportunity to find the one, to find the one, to know resurrection life. Jesus tells another parable. And in this parable, he uses the same analogy of a, of a shepherd and sheep. But in John 10, verses 7 through 17, he says these words. He says, I am the gate." Whoever enters through me will be saved. And so he says, now I am the shepherd that is at the gate. And what Jesus would say to each and every one of us is that he's opened the gate to us by what he did on Calvary. Through his shed blood of Jesus Christ, he's opened the gate so that all of us can come in. But I want to make something very clear to everyone today. Is that there's only one way to Jesus. There's a lot of thoughts out there. And there's a lot of messages that says there's many ways to Jesus. But that is not the truth. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You can't just be a good person. You can't just try to live your life in a good manner. You have to put your hope and trust and faith and confidence in Jesus Christ. You have to enter through the gate. And so he says, I am the gate. All who enter in through me will be saved. And then he goes on and says these words. He says, they will come in and go out talking about the sheep and find pasture. And so he's got good things in store for us. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And some of you have allowed the thief to try to steal and kill and destroy your life. This is his goal. But he says, I've come that they may have life and that you may have it to the fullest. You say, why do we celebrate Resurrection Sunday? Because I am alive. I am full of life. I'm breathing. I'm living because he came that I may have life and that I could have it to the full. He goes on and says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And he's kind of forewarning us of what's going to happen, of what we're celebrating today. He would say again in verse 14, as I jump ahead, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. This is what he did. You and I are the one. We are that lost sheep. He laid down his life for him. He says in verse 16, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. His goal is that no one would perish. The verse 17, he says, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life. I lay it down only to take it up again. This is the story of Easter. He laid it down on the cross, but that cross could not hold him. He got got up out of the grave. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. He says, I gave my life and I am the gate. And the way that you experience the life that I came to give you and life to the fullest is to enter through the gate. You see, you and I are the one, but Jesus came to give his life. And so Paul would say it this way. 
See, as we started today, I said that God not only wants you to experience something, but he also wants you to know something. That God is meant to be experienced. He's meant to be felt. He's meant to be close to us. But he also wants us to know him and to know something. And here's how Paul put it in Philippians 3, verse 10. He says, I want to know Christ. I want to know him. But I also want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. That the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is alive in you and me. And so you need to understand that God doesn't just want us to celebrate the resurrection. He wants us to have a resurrection of our own. He wants to bring dead things back to life. He wants to bring hope and joy back into our lives. And so how do we celebrate this? How do we experience this resurrection power? Let me give you three things that you do to experience resurrection life. Three things that you should do if you know the Savior, these should be the responses of your life every single day. If you walked in here today and said, Aaron, I already know the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, then these should be the responses of your life. If you walked in here today and you don't know him, like you've never fully transferred, you've never entered in through the gate, you've tried to do it on your own and by your own means and you don't know him, these are three things you can do to know him in that same way. The first is this, is you love him because he loved me first. You love him because he loved me first. You see on the cross, Jesus went first. He went first. If you can remember maybe back to a period of time when you were dating, maybe it was your husband or your spouse or somebody else, and you were in this relationship and there came this moment that you wanted to say those three words, I love you. That's a scary moment in a relationship. You wanna know why? Because you may say those three words and they may look at you back and say, thank you. Yeah, cool. Like you put yourself out on the line and guess what? You don't know if they're gonna reciprocate. You don't know if they're gonna love you back. You don't know if they're gonna receive that love and say, man, I feel the same way. But can I tell you something? This is what Jesus did on the cross. He says, I'm gonna go first. I'm gonna give my life. I'm gonna lay it down. And in that moment, he says, I don't know if you will love me back, but I'm willing to do whatever I have to do to show you and to prove to you my great love for you. And so in John 4, 19, it says, we love because he first loved us. He first loved us. Romans 5, verse eight, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, look how great this love was. While I was still a mess, while my life was still messed up, he demonstrated his own love for us. While we were still sinners, he died for us. So I love him because he loved me first. That should be the response every day of our life. If we know resurrection life, I should love him every single day because he loved me first. The second thing is you should pursue him with all of your heart. Pursue him with all of your heart. Jeremiah 29 verse 13 says this, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your hearts. All of your hearts. God, I'm not gonna hold anything back. God, I'm seeking you. God, you went after me. You sought me out as the one that was far and lost and broken. I was directionless and weak and heavy burdened. And God, you sought me out. And so every single day of my life, God, God, I am going to seek you out. And God, when you said that when we seek you, we will find you. And so the final thing is I'm gonna give him my life. I'm gonna give him my life. 
I'm gonna give him all of my life. Luke would tell us this, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Like you wanna do it on your own? You wanna try to enter into the kingdom of God in some other way than the gates, the good shepherd through Jesus Christ? You wanna try to save your life, build your own kingdom? Guess what he says? He says, you're gonna lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. And so I'm gonna give him my life. And so Easter becomes this recognition that I am the one. You are the one. You are the one that was lost. You are the one that was hurting and overwhelmed. You are the one that was full of pride. You are the one that was addicted. You are the one that was lonely and broken. You are the one that had selfish desires. You are the one that was stuck in depression. You are the one that was hopeless without a future. You are the one that was broken and confused. You are the one that is weak. You are the one that could not carry your burdens. You are the one that went through all these things. You see, we are the one. But at Easter, we're also reminded that he is the one, that he is the one that sets me free. He is the one that loves me unconditionally. He is the one that gives me identity for my life. He's the one that brings me peace. He's the one that gives me direction for tomorrow. He is the one that carries all of our burdens. He is the one that gives me strength. He is the one that meets all my needs. He is the one that says he'll never leave me nor forsake me. You see, that is who our God is. That is why we gather in this place on Resurrection Sunday, because I was the one that was lost, but he is the one that brings me back to life. If you believe it, give Jesus Christ an ovation of praise in this place. Come on, church. I was the one. I was the one, but he is the one that changes it all. Come on, if you believe it, stand to your feet and give Jesus praise in this place today. Come on, come on. He is the one for each and every one of us. So here's the truth. Whatever you need today. Wherever you are at, you see, you were that one that was lost. And if you're hurting, you're broken. If you're weak, if you're overwhelmed, if you're depressed, if you're no direction in life, he says, on that cross and with resurrection life, I enter into you and I give you everything that you need because you are my child. You are the joy that is set before me. And so whatever you need today, you need to understand it's found in the one who paid it all for you. And he's looking for you today. He's pursuing you today. He wants you. He wants all of you today. He wants you to know him and experience him. So as the band leads us in this song, would you come to know the one in a way like you've never known it before? For some of you as we sing and as we close in this song, you need to be reminded that you were that one and you need to be reminded of what he set you free from and you need to rejoice and celebrate. For others of you, you need to know that even though you are lost in this moment, he gave his life for you and he wants to be in relationship with you to experience the eternal life that he has for you. Dear Heavenly Father, right now, God, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would move throughout this entire place. God, I was that one. 
God, I was the one that was hurting and broken and lost. God, dead in my sorrow, dead in my guilt and my shame. But God, you left everything else. God, you left all of heaven. God, to come after me. God, it was personal. And so God, today, I thank you for the gift of salvation. God, I thank you for eternal life. And God, I am reminded today on this Easter Sunday that God, that your resurrection, Lord, is what brought me back to life. So God, out of our hearts and out of our spirits, God, let us flow out with life. God, let us live life to the fullest, Lord. God, let us, Lord, impact those that are around us, Lord. But God, today, God, as we reflect on all that you've done, God, God, I pray, Lord, that we would lift our voices, God. God, that we would declare, God, that I was the one, but God, now I am free, God. God, I was dead in my sins, but God, now I'm alive with Christ, Lord, because what you did on Calvary. And so God, I give you my whole life. I give you every part of it today. God, I surrender it to you. In your name we pray, amen and amen and amen. Come on, give Jesus Christ an ovation of praise. Come on. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope this message helped you to connect with God and connect with others. Be sure to click the subscribe button to stay up to date with new messages each and every week. For more information about our church or for an opportunity to give to this ministry, simply go to victoryhill.org. Thank you, and we hope you have an amazing week.